Blog Talk Radio. Take a licking. <laughs> there is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you. Just call for Super Chicken. Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Web Radio Show brought to you by Calm Bach Feeds. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, author of, guess what? Chicken Fact, our chicken poop, national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program, and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer magazine. And you know what? Some of you may have seen this announcement. I'm working on my third book right now. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, living a self-sufficient lifestyle right here on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Be sure to visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by our good friends at Kalmbach Feeds. At Kalmbach Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all-natural, antibiotic-free, with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H, feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of The Chicken Whisperer. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, the incubation specialists. Brincy has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brincy.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. 
They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. I'm about to say something that may shock you. There's a chance the mealworm treats you're feeding your chickens are doing them more harm than good. Most of the mealworms sold in the U.S. are hollow and empty because of how they're processed, leaving them with little or no nutritional value. The problem is chickens love healthy insects like mealworms, but there hasn't been a way to get access to them in large quantities. Until now. The only mealworm company I endorse is The Honest Worm because of the way they raise and process their mealworms. Now, they've set aside some bags only for my listeners to try for free. Just cover the cost of shipping and handling. Head on over to freemealworms.com. That's freemealworms.com. If you don't see sold out at the top of the page, that means there's still some bags left, but only for a limited time. Go to freemealworms.com and get your free bag today. Sweet PDZ has been keeping horse stalls ammonia-free and healthy for nearly 33 years. However, ammonia is ammonia, regardless of the species producing it. Therefore, it will do the same great job in your chicken coops and brooders. Sweet PDZ safeguards flock health by neutralizing and eliminating harmful levels of ammonia and odors. Safe and effective moisture absorption. All-natural, non-toxic, premium-grade zeolite mineral. Contains no masking scents or chemical perfumes. Safe and beneficial to dispose with waste on compost and gardens. Learn more at SweetPDZ.com. That's SweetPDZ.com. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. All righty, folks, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer brought to you by Compact Feeds. Hey, I want to remind you of a contest that's going on right now, uh, but it ends tonight at 11.59 p.m. Eastern at Daylight Time. I'm going to tell you how to enter here in just a second. But Brincy Products has stepped up once again. They're providing an awesome EcoGlow 20 brooder heater for this contest. So, yep, tomorrow one lucky winner is going to win that awesome product worth $79. How cool at their website. So let me tell you how to enter. It's very simple. You don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. All you got to do is this. Go over and visit Brincy's website. It's www.brincy.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A. Go to their online store and take a look around. I'm sure there's going to be a ton of stuff there you're going to want right there at your home, homestead, farm, what have you. Take a look at an item that you would really, really like to have. Get that item number. Head over to our Facebook page and under one of our posts this week, post the item number and really just a little, really short description of, of that item. It doesn't have to be long and detailed. You want to copy and paste the description they have for it. That's adequate as well. And then you're done, and you're entered. 
tomorrow night, well, yeah, tomorrow morning, actually. Contest ends tonight. Tomorrow morning, I will choose the winner randomly. And then tomorrow when we do our Facebook Live out at the Coop for our Coop check-in with our Tackle Hatchery Meat Birds, somebody's going to win that awesome $79 Brincy Eco Glow 20. And guess what? If you don't enter, I guarantee you, it's not going to be you. Free stuff. I mean, it's free. And how hard is that? You just visit their website, look around, pick something that, ooh, I'd really like to have that, and then post it on our Facebook page. <laughs> Pretty simple. And then you will be entered into that contest. Okay, how simple. Contestants tonight, though, so you don't have much time. Probably, let's see, about 10 hours left, maybe. Nine and a half, 10 hours left. And then the contest goes away. We do have another awesome contest that's going to start this coming Monday with Carefree Enzymes. We have a contest the following week. Let me see if I can think about who this, all these are. Um, anyway, I've got contest, contests lined up um, all, all week, and I've got so many. So every week we're doing a contest over on our Facebook page, including our Facebook Live. So, hey, join us on Facebook, and you'll have a much greater chance to win. But I know I've got contests with Carefree Enzymes coming up. I have contests coming up with, oh, uh, The Honest Worm. I've got contests coming up with Metzer Farms. I've got a contest coming up with Coop Crate. Uh, so I've got, you know, I've got six, eight weeks of contests lined up uh, out there, and uh, they're all really cool prizes. And people actually win. Um, you see when they win because they comment. Whoa, I never won anything in my life. This is so awesome. So thanks for tuning in today. Breeds to meet your needs is today's topic with our good friend, Dr. Bridget McCray. I'm going to head over here to the phone lines and bring her live right now so we can get on with the show, Dr. Hello, hello. You know, I really, 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 really wish I could have gone to that conference out in Arizona with all those brainiac poultry scientists. Um, I tell you what, I was reading a study this morning, Dr. McCray. It was fascinating. Um, uh, and I'm trying to think where I saw it, poultry site, I guess. But they had tweeted about it, and it was just fascinating, where um, not only did your colleagues there at Auburn University, and I learned about this a couple of three years ago, um, you know, back in the day when they would say, oh, don't, you know, hatch your chicks out and they can go without feed and water for three days, no problem. In fact, they used to discourage that up to three days and at three days get them in a brooder, start giving them feed. And, of course, your colleagues at, at, at Auburn um, did studies, and I learned this, which is awesome, that as soon as those birds, those baby chicks, as soon as they're really kind of fluffed out and dry and start, start um, what do I call it, uh, exploring in, in that incubator, get them out of there. As soon as they're dry and fluffy and exploring, get them out of there. Get them over to the brooder. Get them on that awesome chick starter. Get them on that water because what happens, Auburn University says that, hey, they can use that yolk instead of just using it to survive. Um, they can start using the feed and water to survive and use that yolk for a longevity of good health and protection, just like maybe colostrum for mammals. Uh, they can use that um, for um, to fight off disease and things, but this morning I learned even something else. Um, they're experimenting with in, in, um, injecting crucial, um, I guess, vitamins and minerals uh, into the egg, uh, ovo, um, and, and um, uh, before they even hatch, three days before they hatch, they're actually injecting the egg with these awesome, <laughs> awesome ingredients, and they're seeing uh, in the commercial industry that they're losing much less chicks uh, within the thir first three weeks uh, when they actually – fascinating study there, um, which I thought was really, really cool. So another thing, I wish I was out there in Arizona to uh, talk about. Are you there? Hello? 
to happen. Andy? Hello, hello. Uh-oh. Andy, can you hear me? I'm back now, yep. I, I, I went oh. to uh, um, go to Twitter and um, and uh, disconnected, so it was my bad. It was all everything that I was doing craziness. <laughs> so, uh, but, I, yeah, it was, I was just so excited about it, and I was like, Woo! I wanted to share it. And then, um, okay, so I saw that one, and then there was another oh, one. Oh, Andy, about by the way, it was San Antonio, not Arizona. I would have taken Arizona. It would have been less humid. Ah. <laughs> uh. God, thanks for clarifying that. And then there was a great article on the science of lighting, uh, which, you know, uh, poultry house lighting must meet the needs. And then uh, there was oh, one yeah. and there was one by UEP certified. I shared these this morning on Twitter. Uh, it's a short video on following an egg as it journeys from the barn uh, to the grocery store. It was really cool, short little informational video. But that one about the uh, injecting the egg um, three days before it hatches, to um, and seeing the results of that, and these these are things like uh, um, methionine and melamine, all the stuff that they they need. Lice, what is it, anyway, and um, really cool stuff, <laughs> and and the results are just phenomenal. So I thought that was absolutely fascinating. So I got a question for you, really quick. So. I guess they're injecting this egg because we, we talk about incubation, like oh, cracked eggs. You're not going to use those. You're going to throw those out or whatever. You're not going to. But but I mean, this must be a super super tiny fine needle that they're actually. And I guess at three days out before hatch, it may not be as big of a deal as if you had poked or penetrated that. But maybe at day two versus three days before hatch. But I guess they're using a tiny tiny little needle to do this. Well, it's called the Innovovax machine, which was developed just before I ended up graduating um, from college. So it's been out there, gosh, 25, 30 years. Mm-hmm. Experimentation with it began about 30 years ago, and then it became commercial very quickly when they saw, hey, this works. And it works really well. Um, so what happens is every egg that comes out of an incubator, as it's being transferred to the hatcher, goes through the Innovavax, um, machine, and that means needles get reused, which a lot of people kind of go, cross-contamination. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. they know that. Um, so each time after each egg is injected, there's a little bit of sterilization that takes place. And so the hole that is put into the egg, you actually need kind of a large needle because, you know, we all know eggshells are strong. So, no, they're not teeny, tiny, thin little needles. Um, they're, they're substantially sized needles. But as the egg, it depends on what company you're looking at. When you're looking at a machine, um, they've tried different things like putting a dot of wax over the hole mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. it leaves. And I'm not sure that they've done that but I do know that they put disinfectant over that hole as it goes back in there's got to be a specific place on that egg I mean you got the air cell oh yeah where where so is it do you know where the I mean is it on the top smaller part is on the side where it goes through the air cell and it actually you would think that it would just be sitting you know on top of the air cell but no the needle actually has to go down 
into where the embryo is. And we all know in a normal, well-developed, normally developing embryo where it should be positioned in the egg. And Mm -hmm. relative to where that uh, embryo is, you've got the amnion. And so what they're actually doing is injecting, I believe, into the either the amnion or the allantoic. I can't remember. Now they said on the on the thing it goes into the amniotic fluid, which then of course right. is absorbed by the chick, absorbed right. by the chick, just like it would absorb the yolk and blah 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 blah. So, yeah, I thought but, it was um, the amnion. I knew it started with an A. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. So you know you've got a a pre prescribed amount. You know, but things happen. It's a piece of machinery. Needles break, mm-hmm. um, lines clog. So if you, one of the best jobs for a young person straight out of college is one of, being one of these techs. Um, because you get to know hatcheries. You get to know hatchery staff schedules. You get to know the equipment. You get to problem solve. And you know, you get to teach people how to operate the equipment. So you get to use all these skills. However, you need to be both a good communicator and, um, you know, sometimes in written form as well. But, you know, the, what they're putting into the machine has changed over the years. It used to be we would use subtherapeutic levels of antibiotics. So, of course, Industry has moved away from that now in both uh, the feed and and also the um, the Innovavax machine. But once they moved away from that, they started to play around with prebiotics and probiotics. And that's what they're using. So a lot of people say, "Hey, if I give my chickens X Y Z, you know, you kind of got to look at that and go." You know, if I buy a chick from this hatchery and they are already using a, a prebiotic or probiotic, do I need to spend my money and time and effort, you know, if they've already mm-hmm. got it? Right. Because sometimes less is more. If what they're using is, is more effective than what you can put in front of your chickens, why not give yourself a break and let that do its job rather than countermanding it in some cases? Very cool. So, I thought it was fascinating. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really, I mean, if a young person, you know, after they get their poultry science degree, wanted to work as a technician, now that is one in which you you can very quickly um, rise up um, in that in that category. Not as quickly as if you worked in the processing end, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun um, if, if you – if you can handle the side of needles. <laughs> Some people can't. <laughs> if that's your hang yeah, up, like, oh, yeah. move on. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, those stuff. are some cool studies. Oh, my gosh, Andy, the work that people were doing with lighting at the poultry science meeting. Oh, mm-hmm. I mean, I arrived in the last two days, and you know, some of those presentations that the students are doing Holy cow, dude. Mm-hmm. You know, not every student is a great presenter, but sometimes when you've got one where you you just, what they're doing is interests you and how they're presenting it is really awesome, then you just sit there and go, what do you mean your presentation's over? Keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's right, the situation yeah. I was in and, a couple um, of times. 
Um, did you see any type of um, see any presentations about? Um, um, I've got to do this, by the way. Any presentations on coxidiosis and the oh, fact was, that apple cider vinegar? <laughs> oh, no, apple not on apple cider vinegar, vinegar, but, oh, yeah, coxidiosis <laughs> is always a topic. Now, there's yep. another a group, um, American Association of Avian Pathologists, that met like two weeks before our meeting in Denver. Mm-hmm. Boy, don't you wish I had been able to go there in the middle of summer. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, they're going to probably cover that as much as as student presentation. Oh, Andy, I have to tell you this. Mm-mm. Next year, poultry science is in Montreal. But this okay. year, I have never seen so many students from Canada win awards. And I really? mean, holy cow. I think in excess of 50% of the students' awards we're all from University of Saskatchewan, University of Al- Alberta Edmonton, and University mm-hmm. of Guelph. And, you know, the Poultry Science Association tends to be Canada, America, Mexico, um, and Latin America in some parts. Um, but to have, you know, we usually have like one or maybe two kids from Canada who just came mm-hmm. and owned us. I mean, <laughs> they dominated. So, wow. yeah, I know. So is there, is there, is the climate up there? I mean, are they big poultry producers or areas in Canada that are big poultry producers? Because when you look at big poultry producers in America, they seem to be in hot climate. I mean, you know, um, uh, Arkansas, Georgia, some of them in the Carolinas with turkeys yeah. and whatnot. But, I mean, for well, pol- you know, the rules right, are there, different in Canada. The rules are different. The The landscape is different. Of course, you've got the plains, and then you've got the mountains. Um, there's a large industry right outside of Vancouver, British Columbia, in the Fraser Valley. Um, then there's um, industry down in Ontario near the Great Lakes. I'm not exactly sure the size and scale of the industry in Alberta and Saskatchewan, but I think it might be turkey and egg. But, you know, in that climate, they raise more wheat than corn. And so they have wheat soy diets and not necessarily corn soy diets. So it's, you know, our problems aren't necessarily their problems. So they need to do their own research. There's Um, a lot of research going on and, you, you may have seen some out there. Um, a lot of, and I'll share this with Kalmbach Feeds about um, not moving away from soy and again cheap, cheap protein and, and feed for animals. But um, there is research trying to figure out how to use insects as a viable protein source for uh, for animal feed uh, like chickens. Um, and of course, the challenge here would be the uh, bacteria and issues and in having to take that insect material. And then heating it up to kill everything before it goes in. And how do you do that? And what, what I mean, do you want to, anyway, so it's, there's, as you know, fascinating information about using insects, um, raising insects and to, to use as a protein source for in poultry feed. Specifically, those are the studies that I've been looking at and how people are trying to do that. And again, one of the big issues there is uh, insects who we know can carry pathogens. That <laughs> So, so how do you eliminate that through the process of getting it into the feed? So, um, 
It's just it's, it's just amazing stuff. Um, breeds to meet your needs today. And uh, when I hear that, I think of, okay, I want tons of eggs, so I'm going to go with a Bovin's Brown versus a Silky. Or I want lots of meat. I want meat fast, so I'm going on my Cornish Cross. Oh, yes, I, hey, I was going to say, real, you know just, all about that. <laughs> I just want some cute chickens that look cool, so I'm going to go with Polish and Silkies and Saramas. And, uh, but so, so I'm guessing this is kind of a little bit about today's topic. Right. A lot of times people are, you know, they'll wander through the feed store and see a box of baby chicks, but they don't understand <laughs> what a Cornish cross is. And they're like, oh, I'll get chickens. And boy, are they disappointed when they're not egg layers. <laughs> Uh, or they feed them like gangbusters and wonder why they die at, you know, 14 weeks because that's about <laughs> twice as old as they usually are when you process them. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you, you've you got to choose the right breed for what your goals are. Oh, yeah. Big old chicken leg. <laughs> How are your birds doing today? I know it's raining here. Has it been raining where you are? Oh my are? gosh, they're 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 ducks today. My 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 oh. birds are ducks, and um, yeah, I do have ducks, but I can't stand ducks. So for the record, you can send me hate mail all you want. I don't like ducks. Never have liked ducks. I've raised ducks before. Don't like them. We got some that were gifted to us. I've got them out there. I got them on Craigslist. Uh, they're runner ducks. So I've never had runner ducks, but they're so they're kind of neat. Oh. but um, but they um, but anyway, yeah, it's it's raining. Um. Jen just came in actually from checking on everybody and um uh Jen, how the meat birds doing? They're doing good. So uh that's 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 your science for today from the homestead. They're doing good. Cool. <laughs> just watch them for coccidiosis and weather like this. Mm, yeah. I I'm of course when all this rain is done, I think it's gonna be raining through tomorrow. I'm gonna go in and change all the bedding because uh the foot pad issues with wet bedding obviously, uh the bedding will be gone. I've already got a, a, another abuse and I'll that'll be the first thing that I do because um in fact today I was gonna go out there and put down a little something for them to get up off that, that wet bedding because we have probably had six inches, um or eight not probably eight, but probably five or six inches in the last two days, so it's really wet out there. Yeah, moving in this weather has been challenging. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, let's move on to what people really want to listen to us about today, which is breeds to meet your needs. I'm going to start with meat birds. Usually I end with meat birds, but let's start with meat birds and get through that. All right. I know your listeners like the egg layer info. All right. If you want your own miniature privatized version of a butterball, get yourself a Cornish cross, just like Andy did. <laughs> Um, there's different versions of that. Sometimes it's uh, a Cornish cross or a jumbo Cornish or um, a, a white Cornish crossed with a white Plymouth rock is what we made decades ago to create this Cornish cross that we usually see on our dinner plates. They're done in about six or seven weeks. Harvest them. And then you can, you know, either start a new batch or, you know, store them in the freezer, whatever you want to do. Um, but they're great. They're efficient converters of feed into meat. Uh, the other option is to do a slow growing. And there are lots of slow growing meat breeds out there now that are strained and not the dual purpose birds. So it depends on which hatchery you look at. They're going to have a special section, usually, if they've got uh, if they've invested in that line. 
where it's either a, a white bird or it might be a, a color feathered bird. Keep in mind, if you buy a breed that has colored feathers and you process that carcass, you're still going to see feather fragments on that carcass. So you may need mm-hmm. to singe those off. It's very different. Uh, it's a very different looking carcass when you've got um, a dark feathered breed. And usually they're, they're either brown or um, some color combination therein. That is an option. If you want your birds growing uh, for, like, say, 12 or maybe even 15 or 16 weeks, that's where your slow-growing birds are going to really excel. Um, And you don't have to give them outdoor access to pasture or grass. You can still keep them indoors depending on your situation. You may not think it's a good idea to, um, you know, keep those birds around if you've got a nosy neighbor or something like that. (laughs) Other options are, of course, the dual-purpose birds. And I've done research on their feed conversion. You know, the slower you go, the less efficient the feed can be. And uh, But if you're getting and you're going straight run, some of those birds are going to be males. And so you may choose to harvest one or two of them um, as they age. But honestly, when you get to the dual-purpose birds, it takes at least 12 weeks to get anywhere close uh, to Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. four and a half pounds like you would in six weeks with a broiler chicken. And the carcass, well, you're going to see a whole lot more bone. So a lot of that weight is bone weight because they they go they grow taller and um, they put their feed resources to work in different ways than the cornish crop. So what breeds would I recommend for that? Well, based upon the research that I did, uh, I would definitely say the most efficient of those that I've come across so far is the Delaware. It was actually one of the original first efforts at trying to create a meat chicken. And guess where it was developed? Andy? Andy, did I lose you again? I must have. Um, Well, it was developed in Delaware. And I've also done similar research with the Bard Plymouth Rock and then the Buckeye. And the Buckeye was the least efficient of all the ones that I've worked with. But, you know, down the road we'll see what we come up with. Um, might be just the, the strain that I work with. Um, I wouldn't mind trying different um, strains of, of each breed to see what what's what. All right, so. Okay, I'm back. We, you... I just have to, I guess the I guess the weather is playing tricks on me. The power was flickering earlier before the show, and I thought, oh, I don't want to lose power before the show, but now I've got other issues going on. But I think I've corrected them, and so uh, I'm ready to roll. (laughs) Cool. All right, so there are other American breeds that I would recommend for uh, your listeners, but, Mm -hmm. you know, as you get more ornamental, you're going to start to see some of these birds needing, you know, 18 weeks or so to get up to a carcass that's worth your time processing. 
And some mm-hmm. folks, that's fine. You know, that's, you know they may stay har- start harvesting from 16 weeks on through, like, say, I don't know, 35 weeks, and that's when they're going to get rid of all their males and just keep their, their females as replacement layers or something like that. Um, so if that's your goal, then great, get 50 straight run, and hopefully half will be males and half will be females. Boo-hoo if you don't end up with that ratio. But that's what you can get sometimes with a trait run batch. Um, also, if you can, if you walk into a feed store and you see some of these dual-purpose birds, ask them if they're straight run or if they're cockerels. Because sometimes the feed stores will get batches of cockerels in, but they don't put it on the sign. And if they say they don't know, say, I'll wait while you go get that invoice. It'll say it on there. <laughs> and so you can kind of you know, defend yourself folks, that way. I tell folks when they're buying from a lot of these big box agricultural stores in the spring and they're all just stuff, you know, I'd say, look, you just need to leave, regardless of what the label says, when you leave, you just need to be prepared that half are going to be rich. Just as if you were ordering a straight run, you just need to leave there expecting half to be cockerels, which will grow into roosters. And then if you'd have less, great, you're, you're winning. <laughs> but if not, right. here, even, if the, even if it says bullets, leave with knowing thinking half and have a plan ahead of time of what you're going to do with those roosters. Are you going to eat them? Are you Are going to cook them? Are you Are going to give them away? Try to find yeah. a home for them? Have that plan ahead of time. Now, I completely agree with that. And, and it's not fair to, quote, unquote, set them free. If they've depending no. on if they've been depending on you for food, don't don't set them free, because mm-hmm. then then they're probably going to starve and have a terrible ending. But I would recommend as an alternative or as maybe a, a for a dual purpose bird, any of the Plymouth Rocks are are good. Folks have had some good success with Buckeyes. Uh, other folks have said that they've really enjoyed um, Rhode Island. Uh, and Rhode Island does come in white, so you can avoid the whole, you know, colored feather left behind on the carcass. Mm-hmm. One of the breeds that I do recommend that doesn't come from the American class is the Orpington. That's a big, heavy-bodied bird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also got white skin. A lot of people don't realize that. White, they come in white feathers, but they also have white skin. Um, large, heavy-bodied, six-and-a-half-pound or more bird, um, even when it's young and tender, can be can be quite delightful. But be prepared for that alternative skin color. Um, Wyandots are a good choice. A lot of people have trouble finding anything, you know, beyond those. The Australorp is a good one, but if you really want to wait. And get a big bird, big bird, and you don't mind waiting. Jersey Giant will fill your plate, but you're <laughs> going to be waiting <laughs> and waiting. No, I'm not talking six months. You're going to be waiting for almost three quarters to a whole year for a giant bird, but it is going to be a giant bird, um, and so. <laughs> You know, just be patient. It takes time to grow a bird of that size. And so and as you really wanna, they get. If you, if you really want to um, 
uh, surprise your guest if you have them over for a dinner party, go ahead and um, prepare some uh, silky meat because it oh, has black yes. skin, <laughs> black black skin and bones, and so which just seems to be a delicacy over in Asia. But yeah, really. For, oh yeah, we're having some uh, baked chicken today, and then you've got the black skin and black bones with the silky. So so you know most people don't raise them for meat, but they do in Asia, and that that can be a very um, surprising feature when you have guests over. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I just wish somebody would make you know the the Cornish cross version of that because you know waiting around for a silky to grow up takes time too. Um, hey, and but, aren't, aren't um if, uh, like geese? If I remember correctly, a goose is primarily all. Is it all dark meat, or is it that's um, the um, yeah? Uh, it is God, all dark Yeah, that's what I thought. And then um, the um, uh, Ducks too. hang on just a minute. The um, oh guineas man, are. yeah, guineas, yeah, guineas, right? So yeah. um, more, let me tell you, guineas are delicious. They and you know what? Are. After they, have... they start squawking all the time, you'll be happy to dispatch them and eat them. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have these cute little birds, you're like, oh, I really hate to dis them and eat them. They're so cute, and I love them so much. Uh, just get some guinea fowl, and um, when they start squawking and being real obnoxious, oh. you'll be like, guinea for dinner tonight, mama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and And you can keep those feathers and sell them because, you know, they've got those dots on the feathers. So you might be able to sell that to a, um, a theater company who makes, or costume designer. I was going to say costume designer or jewelry maker who you can, in, incorporates those. Yeah. Um, so if you if you're looking for a meat duck, just like the broiler chicken, you want to start with a pecan. They're done in approximately mm. the same amount of time. So. If you don't like ducks, like Andy doesn't really care for ducks, and you like the taste of duck meat, so you don't want to raise them for very long, get a pecan and be done in six or seven weeks, Andy. Yeah, that's the ones we started with, and um, we didn't have really the appropriate setup in the backyard for them. They were annoying. They were messy. They destroyed everything when it rained, and then uh, oh, yeah. we, we found a nice we found a nice home for them at a very reputable <laughs> petting zoo, and they had the beautiful pond and all that kind of stuff. But um, and I, I was tempted to eat these runner ducks out here, but I'm like, no, nah, I think someone would like to have these runner ducks and you know as a pet or whatever. So we're, we're selling them. But yeah, if we do, it, no, it's not even worth it. I'll just buy a duck in the store. If I want to eat duck, it's not even worth raising. I just don't like, personally, don't like ducks. I know a lot of people do. No offense, but just not for me. Yeah. And I even have a bear. I even have a creek. I could get you know. Pot. No, no thanks. You can keep your ducks. And <laughs> if you want to do uh, meat. Ducks, you know, there's also, um, for slow-growing, Islesbury and Rowan are very traditional duck breeds that are large-bodied, slow-growing, but, uh, you know, they're not going to be flyers, so they're going to stay in your yard. Conversely, geese, just plan on raising geese for half a year to get what you want. If you want Christmas Mm -hmm. goose, you should have already ordered your geese. Um, Emden mm. is a good choice. Um, large hey, what about, goose. what about turkeys? When is the time for We've done shows on turkeys. We normally do them around right now. Yeah, don't we? yeah. Uh, 
the white, uh, uh, broad-breasted white or the bronze would be what I recommend. The bourbon. Is the bourbon no, something? No, those are slower growing, slower growing, smaller okay. birds. We've done okay. research here at Auburn on the bourbon red. Um, yeah, that's it. That was a fun. That was a fun, fun project. But you know, you're looking at least sixteen weeks, and you know, you're running out of time to to get them raised up. Um, it's going to be longer for turkey toms than for turkey hens. So if I wanted to order some, if I wanted to order some turkey chicks today, um, and, and it's August first, basically August, September, October. We're at three. A month of twelve. We're about sixteen weeks. You're, you're do I have time? Do I have time? Two or three weeks behind. Oh at no! Least two or three weeks behind. So. So back, back I, if you, it's going to be a smaller bird. Hmm. And you know, honestly, I don't know many hatcheries that have them available just on the spur on the fly time of year. I mean, people order these birds for delivery in in June and July back in January. So you've got to plan ahead. And this is a bigger bird, so maybe maybe you need to start prepping your pen now. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'll find some started birds. Hey, maybe I can find some like six-week-old turkeys or something. I don't know. It's worth a try. Yeah, got to keep them in a separate area from the chickens, though. Okay, let's talk about egg layers, Andy. Okay. Number one white-shelled egg layer in this country is the single comb white leghorn. Um, There's many strains. Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, when you look at the, the inherited traits, when you increase egg laying capacity, you increase aggression. And so they don't tend to go broody. Uh, they tend to lay copious amounts of eggs, um, consistently sized, and um, so this is a, a wonderful breed if you've got a family of, you know, seven and you need eggs every day, that's going to be your go-to. They're not going to be cuddly, though. It doesn't mean that you can't work with them. In fact, I encourage children to work with their most flighty birds. But knowing that some breeds are are much calmer than others, so if a kid can do really well with showmanship with a single comb white leghorn, that gets a lot more respect for me than a kid that shows up with a a bantam or a um, a large fowl of a, a more calm demeanor. So, if you're not interested in white shelled eggs and you want copious amounts of brown shelled eggs, there are many strains out there. You've got the Bovans Brown, you've got uh, Isa, you've got Red Star, Black Star, um, Production Reds, Production Blacks, uh, Gold, I think sometimes Golden Comets, but there are also strains of single comb white leghorn like California White. Um, so you just kind of need to go through the the list and see. All right. You know, but with increased egg production means that they're flightier. Uh, I will say that for the blue-green colored eggshells, you've got strains out there called olive eggers or Easter eggers. They are not purebreds. They are strains. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I need to make that clear because let me tell you, I ask kids, what breed do you have? And they say, Olivegger. I'm like, that's strain, not a breed. So they're just crossbreds. Uh, so think about think about those. They They tend to be selected for um, well, Easter eggers have been selected for a variety of eggshells. That doesn't mean you're going to get consistently all blue-green. They they sometimes sell that you get a, a variety of colors in, in your basket when you walk back to the house. Uh, but if you really want blue-green colored eggshells all the time, you know, hmm. Indian runner ducks lay blue-green colored eggshells and copious amounts of them. Um, there's even some strains that Mr. Metzer works on. And let me tell you, that man knows his ducks. <laughs> yeah, he does. Um, He's a sponsor. I'm about to play his commercial. I said, when I was telling everybody, I just personally don't like ducks. And I was like, hey, this will be a good idea. Maybe, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll break out of my shell. <laughs> no pun intended. And uh, get, <laughs> get, get, get some of those, <laughs> get some of those Pekings uh, from, and he does a lot of really exotic, cool ducks. No, it's maybe Pekin, Pekin, not Peking. Peking. It's like you're hey, down peeking here. into I, a box, not peeking in China. I drive a Peking pickup truck, and I'm from Georgia, so it's a Peking, <laughs> right? It's a Peking duck that I order when I order Chinese food up here in the strip mall, and I'm going to order it. <laughs> oh. okay, how do you pronounce it? Peking, like you're peeking into a box. Peking. 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 I'm gonna get some Peking. Peak. I'm gonna get me some Peking ducks. And hey, six weeks. I think I can tolerate just about anything for six weeks. And maybe, maybe I can't do it next because after we run, we raise these and document raising these fast-growing meat birds. I promised everybody I'd do a slower growing. Maybe a, uh, a, a um, maybe like move. a uh, combination dual purpose, like a barred rock or something, just so they can see the difference. And then maybe after that, I'll do the Pekings. Um, and uh, and we'll do maybe, you know, six or seven of those. That'd be a good idea, show people about raising ducks. Well, if people aren't interested in ducks for blue-green eggs, then your Americana is a really good go-to breed. Araucanas mm-hmm. are also good, but pure Araucanas are very expensive. Sweet mm-hmm. birds. Americanas tend to be a little flightier compared to some of the other breeds, like, say, Australorps or, or Plymouth Rock. Mm-hmm. But um, they're good survivors if you've got flocks that uh, tend to stay outside, you know, available to predators. They tend to be your survivor. They tend to be cryptically colored, which means they blend well into their surroundings, versus a white bird stands out to everything that can see it from overhead. So make sure you protect your birds. But, you know... Brown-shelled eggs for a slower-growing breed, well, let's save that for after your commercial break. That sounds good. I was just literally looking at the commercial lineup saying, it's about that time. And then voila, we've been doing this too long together. So uh, it just flows perfectly, (laughs) and we'll be back. So, yeah, let me go ahead and get the switchboard and put Dr. McCray on hold. If you're just tuning in, we're talking to poultry scientist Dr. Bridget McCray, and we're talking about breeds to meet your needs, meat birds, egg-laying birds. Maybe we'll even talk about those fancy little critters like the, the, what they call them, the high tops, the Polish 
and the Saramas and the Silkies. So um, maybe we'll talk, have a chance to talk, maybe time to talk about those. So, uh, hey, stay with us. We'll be back right after this short break. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer here to tell you that if you have backyard poultry, nothing is more important than making sure your feathered friends are safe from infectious poultry diseases. Learn the simple steps to keep your birds healthy by visiting this website, healthybirds.aphis.usda.gov. That's healthybirds.aphis.usda.gov. A message from the USDA. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFradio.com. That's GQFradio.com. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg's family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for both the beginner and experienced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at StrombergsChickens.com. That's StrombergsChickens.com. Here's a little commercial about those ducks we were just talking about. Metzer Farms is now hatching and shipping the premier egg layer. This girl is consistently laying jumbo eggs with a higher nutrient density and lower water content than your eggs now. She is an extremely hardy bird and the most heat and cold tolerant egg layer available, allowing for year-round outdoor production. An eggshell unmatched in sturdiness and thickness, making cracks a thing of the past. Increase your health and double your egg profits. Of course, we're talking about ducks. Duck eggs are revered by chefs for their succulent flavor and by bakers for being the better baking egg. Learn more about this extraordinary duck, the Golden 300, or any of our other 35-plus breeds of ducks and geese at MetzerFarms.com and order your next flock from us. And then once your ducks or chickens are ready to process, you might want this bad boy. The Yard Bird Chicken Plucker takes the hassle out of backyard chicken processing by fully defeathering birds in less than 15 seconds. The compact size makes it easy to transport and easy to store. The one and a half horsepower motor and 20 inch stainless steel tub can handle two eight pound birds at the same time. There are no belts or pulleys to wear out and no adjustments necessary which makes it virtually maintenance free. For more information about how you can own this must-have chicken processing product, visit YardbirdChickenPluckers.com today. That's YardbirdChickenPluckers.com. Come back. 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 Come back.
from our family to yours. Feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H feeds.com. Or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. And we'll wrap it up with this one. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Alrighty, uh, thanks for just staying with us today. Um, I'm looking over here. They've got a weekly sale going on, but Ideal Poultry, I just noticed this too. Um, if you text Ideal Poultry to 797979, then you will get their weekly mailing list and their weekly sales, um, I guess, to your phone. So it says uh, text Ideal Poultry to 797979 uh, to get our Hatch Day sales right on your phone. Yep, there it is. And speaking of Hatch Day specials, let's see, the August 8th weekly special, I guess that's shipping out next week. Let's see if it opens up here. I'll kind of let you know what they got going on. Um, standard chicks, straight run, um, $1.59 each, surprise special, assorted heavy, um, pullets. Now, these would be sexed as pullets, but it's basically whatever they grab and put in your box at $1.69. But they would be sexed as pullets, whatever they just grab coming down the assembly line and put in $1.69. Select breeds, if you want to be more a little bit selective, 10 cents more for pullets, $1.79. That includes like your Bard Rocks, your Buff Orpington, Silver Laced Wine Dots, Americanas, Delaware, Dominique, Light Brahmas, um, Cuckoo Morans, or your Black Giants, your White Rock, um, Golden Lace Wyandotte, Leggern, Round Leggern, Black Sex Link, $1.79 pullets. That's a darn good deal. Um, I tell you right there. Guineas, three seventy five each for straight run. Um, and let's see, uh, Bantams are, <laughs> ready for this, folks? Bantams, $0.94. Cents, uh, $0.94 cents for uh, their Bantams. And then... Um, Specific breed bantams. You can see a difference at their website with dollar five for straight run, ninety four cents for bam. Um, so anyway, you can head over to idealpoultry.com and check that out. I just wanted to share that with you because it just popped up in my email about their daily specials and that weekly specials, I guess, and that's going to be next week. So um, hey, let's head over back to the phone lines. We're talking with Dr. Bridget McRae. We're talking about. Mm, Reads to meet your needs. So uh, let's continue. What well, kind of? What's well, about that time? The kind of? Yes. It's it's one of those things that people really enjoy. Those brown shelled eggs, right? They're really into chickens. They want those brown shelled eggs. They think the brown shelled eggs are better. Fine. Let's talk about mm-hmm. some of the the dual purpose breeds or or not commercial strains that can get you where you want to be there. And number one. On that list for me is the Australorp, the only breed from Australia. Crossed with an Orpington in its development, hence the Orp part of the Australorp. 
it's a very consistent brown shelled egg layer. If you are looking for birds that um, are a little more feather appeal than the ostelorp, then go for the Plymouth Rock. You can get all Plymouth Rock and have a variety of feather colors in your coop. There are at least six colors to choose from. And so if you just want to say, I have Plymouth Rocks, and people go, but they all look so different. You can, you can be the educator and say, well, they're all Plymouth Rocks. They're each a different variety, but they're all Plymouth Rocks. That will stun the, the, people. The Australorp achieved worldwide popularity in the 1920s after the breed broke numerous world records for number of eggs laid. Yes. Yes, that's before the Leghorn was really um, brought brought forth and, and really enhanced and bred um, for what they do so well. Again, you know, really sweet bird, mellow, tends to, tends to talk to you in the coop, larger bird, um, so you'll get larger eggs. But, you know, people really ooh and ah over the Wyandots in their coops because the feather patterns are so unique. Mm-hmm. And if that's laced, what your goal is. They're beautiful. Yes, yes, yep. the lace to birds. But don't forget, partridge-style birds are, are also very beautiful. Double-laced birds are too. So don't forget about the Dominique. If you're in colder climates, they've got a smaller comb, and that might suit me. Uh but they're still stripes like a, a Plymouth Rock. And you've got, of course, a lot of the the white-shelled breeds from Europe, but um, I kind of glanced over white-shelled breeds, didn't really talk about white-shelled breeds that were slower growing. The number uh-huh. one that I think everybody misses and overlooks, really, is the Dorking. They are a really unique bird. Five toes. They've got a red earlobe, so you would think they lay a brown-shelled egg, but no, they lay a white-shelled egg, so they're they're a sneaky one. So it's a great educational breed. Um, the, the salmon-colored breast on the females just really appeals to people. Uh, but don't forget, there are some some more leghorn-like uh, white-shelled egg layers like the Catalana and the Minorca. The Catalana is huge in Brazil and South America. Um, sometimes, in some cases, more so than the Leghorn. The Ancona is a really beautiful mottled feathered bird. People will be thrilled with them. They'll get almost as many eggs as the Leghorn with either the Ancona, the Catalana, or the Minorca. Uh, the Blue Andalusian has beautiful color genetics, rare, um, unusual, great teaching tool for for families that are, you know, getting into that topic for homeschool. Uh, they're also flighty because the more eggs that you get from those those Mediterranean type breeds. Um, the more flighty they are. I used to raise Hamburg, which is a smaller, medium-sized body bird. 
the largest size egg I think I ever got from them was a medium. So they're very consistent uh, egg layers, but they're going to be smaller eggs. And that might suit your needs just fine. Um, they were also the breed that kind of wanted to roost in the rafters and stare down at you like vultures. <laughs> um, good flyers. They were very good flyers. Um, so think about some of those breeds. Now, if you want to have Polish, Houdans, Krevkurs, any of those breeds that have a crest, Make sure you have secure surroundings for them because they can't see aerial predators. (laughs) They're beautiful. They're sweet. They can't see diddly squat. Um, There are some other breeds out there like the Spitzhaubens that have smaller crests. Uh, They can see better. That might be something for you to consider. But, you know, just make sure they can... You know, you might actually have to take a ponytail holder and, and pull their their feathers back out of their eyes. Some people will trim their feathers, which is unfortunately what has to happen sometimes to keep it out of the water so it doesn't freeze in the winter. Also keep in mind any breed, including the silkies, that has a crest has a domed skull to support that crest, which is thin and delicate meaning that if you've got them in surroundings, like some of those smaller coops that, um, you know, have uh, not a lot of clearance between the coop and and maybe the, the run underneath, if those birds jump hard enough, mm-hmm. they can actually crack their scolds and, and pass very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, You know, you need to have safe, secure, calm surroundings for them, and you will be tickled pink with them. The silkies, every kid loves the silkies. And, you know, they're lightweight. They're bantam. And so they're lightweight. Kids can carry them around. The only problem is with silkies, um, they can overheat when kids carry them around in the summertime. (laughs) And so... Make sure that silky gets put down every once in a while so it can cool off. <laughs> unique problems, unique situations. <clears throat> um, feather-footed breed. Maintaining those feathered feet is a challenge. Birds with feathered feet, um, they deal with mud balls a lot. Um, broken feathers on the feet can can lead to infections in the feet. Make sure what you've got set up for them really does keep them from running into some of those problems. Cochins are absolutely wonderful, sweet birds, absolute deers, whether it's a large fowl or a bantam. I mean, they are just darling. Plus, copious amounts of feathers and a tendency to want to sit on eggs, make them good broody mamas, so are silkies. Can't fit as many eggs underneath a silky as you can a large fell uh, coaching though. 
real quick, and I don't know if it's Tanya or Tanya. Um, she says here, uh, the Brahmas are a great all-around bird, decent layers, great disposition, and enormous in size when mature, and uh, her favorite hands down. So Tanya or Tanya yep. um, Jenkins, she, she, likes, uh, she likes the Brahmas. Thank you for tuning Brahmas in today. Brahmas are Here's wonderful. Just, just keep in mind, they can get big and heavy. However, the Bantam Brahmas are a dream for kids to handle. Um, they tend to they tend to really um, do well with kids. Um, beautiful buff coloration, very popular. The, the Bantams have a, a buff um, variety that oh, just people adore. Uh, so don't forget about those in your coop if you're looking for a real jewel. Uh, Lang shans. Langshans um, have smaller amounts of feathers on the feet, or a taller chicken, but they don't tend to have that um, that uh, destructive feather-footed problem because they don't quite have as many feathers on the feet, although they do have a lot of feathers that go up the outside of their shanks. Um, so... Just think about that. Uh, Langshan often gets overlooked. Usually it comes in black, but it also comes in blue and white. Harder to find. So don't forget about those. Now, I did mention earlier some some uh, European breeds that have feathered feet, like, say, the Houdan. The Houdan has everything. It's white. It's got a crest. It's got extra toes. It's got feathered feet. It also has vulture hawks. So it is a great learning bird for kids. Uh, so think about that. Uh, I would also say uh, the silky, again, uh, feathered feet. Um, they also have beards, but they also come in non-bearded varieties. And they come in more than just white folks. They really do. White is fun. But did you know they come in apricot, buff, blue, black? Um, so, you know, support your local breeder. Find those high-quality birds that um, maybe makes a little statement inside your coop, uh, one that can be a real talking point. Um, the, the only thing I haven't talked about thus far is the really long-tailed birds. Um, they're harder to manage and they're not really for everyone, but like say the Yokohama or the Kubalaya, um, the Sumatras, beautiful birds. Their tails require some maintenance, um, especially the males, but they're, they're out there. Uh, there are some breeds that actually are long crowing. However, most of your listeners uh, tend not to have roosters, so I'm going to completely glaze over those. Uh, but definitely, folks, pay attention to some of those English and American class breeds. Um, I, I like the Orpington as a good dual-purpose bird. Don't forget about Dorkings for those white-shelled uh, uh, eggs. Don't also forget about that Leghorn, because, you know, Leghorns don't come in just white. There's actually, like, 25 varieties of leghorns. Um, some are rose combs, some are single combs. So if you're up north, go find the rose comb variety. 
they're still going to lay well for you. Uh, and, you know, some of the, some of the less um, specialized uh, strains, like, say, the light brown or the dark brown uh, leghorns, they're not quite as high strung as a commercial bird. So don't completely ignore them. Oh, man, one time I saw buff leghorns, Andy, blew my mind. It just completely blew my mind. It was stunning. Just, oh, enough said. <laughs> I wanted them right there, but they, they weren't for sale. <sighs> so um, think about some of these other breeds, folks. When that spring catalog arrives in the mail in January, prep your coop. Look at what those birds' needs are. Get extra shavings if you're going feather-footed. Try to keep your bantams separate from your large fowl so that you don't have to adjust the height for the the shorter bird. And, uh, you know, get those really beautiful birds for your, your coop. Um, I as you, as you may have noticed, I didn't mention um, New Hampshire's uh, in that... Uh, talk is because they tend to be a little more aggressive and um, I'm hearing a lot from folks that when they get New Hampshire um, they're very disappointed at how dominant they are and how pushy they, they are to the other birds in the coop but they're really consistent egg layers and that's why they're a foundation part of the uh, the uh, red stars and production reds so any any questions so far no, that's been a great episode, and uh, we have um, here, we bought 200, and we're down to a manageable amount because we sold them. Like, well, anyway, um, Bovin's Brown, which is a... It's a commercial strain. It's absolutely correct, and it's an incredible layer because if it wasn't, commercial farms wouldn't be using them, obviously. So I'm really anxious because back in 2008, we got several hundred uh, isobrowns before they were cool, before anybody really knew about them because they were big <laughs> in the uh, commercial industry. Now everybody carries them, even tractor supply. But um, we, we sold them all and, and got a lot of people kind of addicted to the isobrowns. Now the bovins kicking isobrowns to the curb uh, in the commercial world <laughs> and uh, both in cage rearing and even pasture raising uh, egg layers, uh, a lot of people are going to the Bowens Brown. So I am very excited. They're probably, they're approaching 16, they're 14 to 16 weeks old right now. And I'm, I'm ready to start getting eggs from these girls. I'm telling you what, I'm really anxious. I mean, if they're better than Isa Brown, holy cow, I can't wait to see how they are. <laughs> Isa Browns are some egg laying machines. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to them. In fact, I sold 12 yesterday. Me and Caleb uh, went and, um, uh, took some to an uh, uh, um, older couple, and uh, they paid for them. And then they took Caleb ten bucks because he opened and closed the cage as I was removing them and putting them into the cage uh, of the buyer. But uh, of course, he got ten dollar tip and said, "Hey, can we get a tractor supply? There's a there's a cool tractor toy I want to get there." So of course, we had to stop by TSC <laughs> so he can spend his ten and burning a hole in his pocket. He barely had it. He's like, "We go to TSC. There's a tractor I want there." So. um but yeah, so they tipped him ten bucks. But yeah, I'm anxious to see how these Bovins Brown compare to the Isa Browns, which we've had for years. But apparently, they're kicking the Isis to the curb in the in the uh, commercial world. So, one of them things. Thank you for joining us. What a great show! Lots of people, I'm sure, learned a lot of awesome stuff. And um, 
We thank you for coming on. Breeds to Meet Your Needs was today. Uh, if you missed any of it or tuned in late, no worries. In about 10 minutes, it'll be archived as a podcast for your listening pleasure. And our guest today was Dr. McRae, Ph.D. And um, real quick, tell us what the topic is for your article for the fall issue of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Well, I'm going to work with um, one of the the new extension specialists at Auburn University, and we're going to try to calculate out um, acreage, labor, time, and yield if you wanted to grow the main two ingredients, corn and soybeans, for your own chicken feed. Not sure if we're going to do it for one bird or if we're going to round it up to like 10. We've got to work mm-hmm. those details out. That's but you need to know awesome. what it's really going to cost you to do that in, you know, homestead style. That's cool. I hope to, in fact, I sent an email today. Uh, the last tour I had scheduled had to get canceled, and I can't remember why. But there's a big, large, world global company down here uh, just south of me in Alpharetta, uh, and I never can't pronounce their name. It's uh, Adiso or something like that. Oh, and, Adiseo. Um, yeah. And they do a lot of the vitamins and minerals and whatnot that go into the agricultural feeds. They do tons of research. Poultry is one of them. And um, I'm hoping in the next couple of weeks I can go down and meet all those great folks and scientists and tour their facility Lucky. and <laughs> talk about what all they're uh, they're doing. I think this is their corporate um, headquarters. I think so, not not their testing facility. I don't believe, but um, just to see what all they're doing. They do a Facebook Live when I'm there, and um, I'm still wanting to do a report, an article. Maybe they can assist me with this because um, it surprises a lot of people, and I, it sometimes comes up because they say um, uh, when I when I talk about the honest worm, because um, you know I don't do much treats here um but you know when we do promote the honest worm here on the show and people like well are they from china are they sourced from china like the majority of all the mealworms in america are sourced from china but what it's interesting that these folks don't know who are feeding the good old-fashioned bag of pelleted feed that they get at whatever store they get it from those vitamins and minerals that are added into that are guess what coming from China, because apparently we don't produce enough here in the states. Some of these are only found outside of the United States, so it's uh, I make that make them very aware of that. So hopefully they can shed some light on that, um, and we can do a um, Facebook Live there, and maybe they can write an article for us to tell us why the majority of the feed that you buy in the store for your backyard chickens has uh, got stuff from China in it. So I'm not saying that's good, bad, or the ugly. I'm just saying it's fact. And so uh, I'm anxious to do that tour. Dr. McRae, thank you very much for coming on today. Great topic as always. Great show. We'll see you back here in a couple of weeks, my friend. Thanks, Andy. Bye. Thank, thank you. Bye-bye. All right, that's going to wrap up another great show, Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. And we'll be back next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern. We went uh, live an hour earlier today. But next week, next Thursday, which is the August 9th, my guest will be poultry veterinarian uh, Dr. Maurice Pateski from UC Davis out in California, and we'll have a really interesting topic for you. He's a veterinarian, um, so um, he likes to talk. I want to talk about little different things on the medical end, like disease and, and treatments and, and different things like that that may be occurring in our backyard flock. 
So that'll be next week, Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on Blog Talk Radio. I want to say thank you very much for tuning in. Don't forget about the contest we're going on right now with Brincy. Um, and earlier in the show, I told you how to enter that. Head over to our Facebook page. That shit tells you there with a post how to enter that. We want to make sure you enter and have a chance to win that awesome Brensey Eco Glow 20 brooder heater valued at $79. So go check that out. And uh, check us out on Facebook. Become a fan. And you'll uh, also benefit from our Facebook five, Facebook Live posts and all the experiments that we do here on our own farm and homestead. So thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time right here on Blog Talk Radio. Uh-huh.